Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise God. Now, before we jump into today's message, let's take our Bibles and drop by Psalm 66. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord, and God is going to bless you really, really good. Look at verse 10. For you, O God, have tested us. My friends, these tests that at times God allows us to go through, uh, they are very much like a collegiate exam where you sit and you take the exam and all of your study all of your preparation culminates in this exam test. And of course you want to pass and go to the next level. And God has a great place designated for you known in scripture as the wealthy place. And he's going to get you there. And he allows us to go through various tests and forms of refinement so that the image of Christ is formed in us. And so that we can not only reach that place of fulfillment, but stand in it as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ and represent him in whatever career field God has called you into for you. O God have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. Well, we know that these precious metals are refined through lots of heat so that what is pure point nine, 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 nine silver or gold or whatever it might be in this case, silver, the other is dross that is burnt off and the slag that is taken away the impurities. And that's what God does as he positions us to be free from covetousness, which is what the world celebrates coveting and grasping and endeavoring to strain to get something when Jesus said that if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. So that is the intention of the heat. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. Perhaps you went to work for a company. And when you signed up as an employee, you thought, wow, this is a great job, great pay, great benefits. And you get in there and perhaps you have a very difficult manager who's over you and sets perhaps work standards or the things you need to get done that, uh, or just what we would call a very driving type schedule. And you might think, well, I'm getting overloaded. Well, we see here that God can bring you into the net and lay affliction on your back in the sense where you may think, uh, too much is being asked of me, but God sees it perhaps from a different perspective where he wants you to grow, develop and stretch. And it could be unjust treatment, but at the same time, the Lord could even work through an unbeliever to raise your level of work output. Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. You have caused men to ride over our heads. In other words, you can't get rid of this person that God has in your life that in some strange way, the Lord is working through to mold and shape you uh, in a way that glorifies him. You know, da Daniel, of course, worked in the Babylonian system 
worked there for the king in the royal court. And anytime you have Babylon mentioned, you have the connotations of darkness and basically what we would call the corrupt, sinful world system. But Daniel stood in that place and was a luminary of Jehovah God in that place. And he flourished, praise God. And you will too. Yes, there were times when he went through tests or what we might call a crisis situation where he was given opportunity to compromise or hold to his faith and suffer the consequences. And he held to his faith and the consequences were promotion and blessing. Praise God. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to our rich fulfillment. Or as the King James version says, you brought us into the wealthy place and God has a place for you of rich fulfillment. God has a place for you of wealth and prosperity, but God wants us to not only reach the destination of receiving what Jesus shed his blood on Calvary for us to enjoy and experience. Yes. Forgiveness of sins. Yes. Eternal life, but also some heaven while you're here on earth. Praise God. Blessed to be a blessing. Praise the Lord. So God wants you to get into that place, but he wants you to get there developed so that once you're there, you don't become corrupted. You don't become destabilized because now you finally have access or have means or have resources. No, when God brings you up through his training system, through his King's college, or what we would know as the school of the spirit, when he finally gets you there, you're, you're ready. You are cultivated with the fruit of the spirit and you're now positioned to stand there. You know, a lot of people, they come into prosperity uh, when I'm talking about believers, they come into prosperity and some of them think, well, uh, I, I don't really need to tithe anymore. And then they, you don't see them anymore. They kind of vanish off the donor list and you think, Hey, what, what happened? You used to be a good ministry partner. Well, they got a little money and they got a big head, got a big ego and they begin to pull away from God. And then you, uh, th it's like they vanish off of the radar of supporting and praying for the ministry, being a financial blessing. They just disappear. Once they had a little money, they thought they had reached the top. That was just a very low plateau God put them on, but they were not stable. But God wants you to get there to the top, and He wants you to have Jesus fully in your heart. Again, not being a camouflaged Christian, but letting your light shine and letting people know that the salt, the truth of the gospel, is in you and that you are a salty Christian. Amen. Amen. Ready to witness with wisdom and words seasoned with salt to anyone who would ask you concerning your faith in Almighty God. Praise the Lord. My friends, God's going to bring you into His wealthy place. Wealth is good. If wealth were bad, God would not have given you power to get wealth. Woo! Praise the Lord. So God wants you to be in a place of overflow. God wants you to be liberal with your finances and wise with your finances. I hear oftentimes people that are in a place financially where they struggle and they always talk about what they will do one day when they get money. 
The problem is, is that their talk is a deception because they're not doing anything now. They're not tithing now. They're not sowing seed now. So they always preface their noble statements with, well, when I get a bunch of money, then I'm going to do this and this. But it doesn't work like that. Uh, it's not like suddenly you get wealth and uh, suddenly your character changes. All money is, is an amplifier of what's already in you and who you already are. That's why God wants you well established going through these things that God often takes us through just like he did Joseph, just like he did Daniel. You can go through trials. You can go where men right over your head. You can go through uh, water and fire, but God will bring you out into the wealthy place. You're content. You're stabilized. You honor God with your riches and you let people know that you are a child of God, a servant of the Lord Jesus. And my friends, your blessing is established. Now let's move forward into the wealthy place that God has for us. For some of you, you already have some financial freedom, but I would say to you that God has much higher places where he wants you to fly as a uh, financial eagle, where you come into uh, realms of prosperity that are far beyond even where you're at right now. So let's honor the Lord with the tithe. The tithe is 10% of all of our increase and God is going to bless you, but let's give the Lord what already belongs to him. That's 10% of our increase, whether it's from your business, whether it's from your personal income, the Lord says the tithe belongs to him. By the way, my wife and I are tithing individuals, and this is also a tithing ministry, and we are under God's umbrella of blessing and protection. Hallelujah. And my friends, the Lord would also have us through the leading of the Holy Spirit to sow financial seed. That could be something that's above your tithe. And of course, we have various projects that we uh, focus on and work on around here, and your support into those is greatly appreciated. So at this time, let's bring the tithe, and if you would like to sow an offering on top of that, let's bring it into the ministry right now. If you want to mail it in, please send your tithes and offerings to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. Now, if you want to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so from anywhere in the world. Please go to our website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage that says give. It has a red heart. You can click that and bring your tithe in from anywhere on planet earth where you have internet, praise God. Or you could do it on your smartphone through cell phone reception. Even if you don't have internet, you can still get there. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Now, there's also at the website an orange banner that says projects. If you want to click on that, and so into one of our various projects, such as the Pure Gold television program, let the Holy Spirit lead you. And also on the field of dreams, a lot of good things going out on the property. I need to get out there and do a little video for all of our online church members and uh, ministry partners and friends and show you some of the uh, uh, land clearing that is continuing to uh, take place out there as uh, good things are happening out on that property. Praise God. It's very, very exciting. And this is because of your faithfulness to the Lord in your giving. Yes, you, you should rejoice in your heart because God is going to bless you in a great way to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Now, please lift your hands. Father, bless your people with 
wealth. Bless your people, not with just enough to get by. Bless them with wealth. Bless them with overflow. Let them come into their place of rich fulfillment. Let them come into their wealthy place. Let the power to get wealth rest upon them and be exercised through them, through wisdom and good decision-making skills and abilities. Father, thank you for blessing your people with wealth to further your kingdom. Now we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. And yes, of course, out of the wealth that God generates through you, yes, some is for you. Enjoy yourself. Amen. Amen. Let the Lord be a blessing to you. Praise God. All right. Now let's jump into today's message. I want to talk about something a little bit different today that is in scripture. Uh, it is clearly in scripture and something that I believe you can touch and connect with. Today we are talking about connecting with the rare forever blessing. There is a blessing that's known in scripture as a forever blessing. And it's, it's different from what we would maybe call a normal blessing. Um, in the Western world, we've watered down the word blessing, which means empowered to prosper. So, you know, somebody might sneeze and the person uh, in the room might say, God bless you. Well, they don't really understand what they're saying. It's just like a, maybe like a, a traditional thing, especially in the South of, of, of a nicety that you show to somebody. Praise the Lord. But my friends, God wants you to not only be blessed, but even connect in the unique path and calling that he has for your life with what God's word calls a forever blessing. And when that comes on you, wow, you'd have to really like, uh, almost like try to mess it up. I mean, it would be like having Coca-Cola and you're rolling with it now. And you like maybe do something crazy like Coke did decades back when they changed the formula and people revolted all over America and said, whoa, we don't want this thing called new Coke. We want the original blessing. Okay. They, they went back to it very, very quickly. Um, but when the, when a blessing comes on you, that's from the Lord with that forever touch. Yes, it's yours and it's transgenerational. That's a, we hear the word trans kind of like, oh, uh, used in so many bad references today with people trying to change things that God never designed to be changed and actually can't be changed. But I'm talking about a good trans word, a transgenerational blessing. So that forever blessing comes on you. Yes, it will not only rest on you for your entire remainder of your life, but it can also go down the family line. If there's somebody in the family that doesn't want it, God can cause it to go down a spiritual line, such as spiritual son or spiritual daughter. And it will just keep going. As long as somebody continues to walk with the Lord, that thing will keep going. Woo. Glory. Glory to God. Let's talk about it today by going over to first Samuel chapter 13. And I'm, I tell you, I'm so glad that you're here today. I believe that this is a year unlike any that you've ever had in your life. 
And God is going to do some things in your life this year that make your family members, that uh, make perhaps even your critics, maybe some of your fellow employees take notice that something dramatic has shifted and changed for great betterment in your life. And you're going to have a lot of people coming up uh, asking you, what in the world is going on in your life? Wow, what is happening? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we thank you that today's message, in a sense, is a spiritual message. That this is not just a history lesson. This is not just ink on paper. This is not just theory. This, this is a reality that those who really push and pull it together can step into this. Now, Father, we thank you. Let the forever blessing be extended to your people today and let them reach for it and meet you at that moment to receive it and to lock it in for the rest of their lives. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Woo. I tell you, it comes on you. It'll never come off. It'll never come off. You'll have it for the rest of your life. Now, it could diminish in strength. That depends on your prayer life, your obedience to the Lord, but it, it can also be sustained. And yes, it can even be increased. It's very similar to the anointing. But one thing is for sure. Once you've got it, you've got it. Mm-mm. Now, first Samuel 13, verse one, Saul reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years, over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. All right, so he's in his early 30s. He is the first king of Israel. And of course, the Apostle Paul, whose name was actually Saul, uh, originally uh, was named after the first king, Saul, Saul of Israel, king of Israel, excuse me. So he is very well known of the tribe of Benjamin. Hey, if you're left-handed, lift your left hand and say, praise the Lord. Amen. Like I am. (laughs) Oh, it does appear that many of the men were left-handed from the tribe of Benjamin. Because it's funny because it actually means son of my right hand. So it's a Hebrew play on words. Praise the Lord. So celebrate your uniqueness, whatever it might be. Praise God. Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel. And 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land saying, let the Hebrews hear. In other words, we've stirred up the hornet's nest and the Philistines already as a established nation state. And understand that when we say, uh, you know, this is its own sovereign nation. These are very small, what we would call tribal nation states, but they had their own structure. They had their own King. They had their own administration and they were a well organized group. Praise the Lord. Now, the Philistines are going to begin to 
endeavor to take it all out before it ever really gets started. So they have a, a, a savviness, an understanding of warfare. In other words, if, if these Hebrews have their own king now, well, let's just shut the whole thing down before they ever really get started. Let's just, just go ahead and go to war and try to wipe them out before they ever really get established and get any more organized. Now, we come to verse 5. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots. Well, if it, if it would have been 30,000 men, that probably would have been pretty good, but that's just the chariots. And 6,000 horsemen. Oh, so they have horses too. And people, how many? And people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. So a whole bunch of guys, big, strong guys with swords and shields and knives and uh, the, whole, the whole enchilada. Guess what? Out of all of the men in Israel, the only two that even had a sword were Saul and his son, Jonathan. So we're talking tremendous disadvantage. And you're talking already about a people that are beaten down, that are subjugated by the enemy. And now the enemy says, well, you tried to rise up. You're trying to start your own uh, sovereign nation. We're just going to have to kill you all. And Israel is completely, completely horrendously outnumbered. And they came up, the Philistines did, and encamped in Michmash to the east. Of Beth Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. Well, it's not like the, the average everyday American or person in a, uh, a nation that's not like a war torn country really understands what it's like to go physically into warfare where you have to fight somebody. You know, I was uh, a couple of years back, there was a young man uh, locally and he went off to jo uh, join the Navy and his dream was to, you know, become a seal. And so his father and I were talking, uh, he's the young man is left now and he's gone off to training. And his father said, yep, he's gone off to training. He's gone off to learn how to kill people. And you think, well, uh, I thought he was going off to training. Well, that's honestly what it is if, you, if you'd examine it. It doesn't matter if it's the SEALs or the Navy or the Marines, or, well, especially the Marines. Uh, you're basically going to go and learn how to kill other people. Whether you're the Air Force, you're going to learn how to drop bombs on the enemy and kill them. If it's the Marines and you're going in like the Army with infantry and you're, you're going to fight on the ground, well, you're going to shoot them and kill them. That's all it's coming down to. If you're in the Navy, you're going to uh, do your thing and shoot them with the cannons on your big uh, warship. But my friends, that's really what war is. And so when it actually is engaged, you're about to be... Some people uh, are not quite equipped for that in the sense that they're not, they're not ready mentally, physically, or any, any other type of uh, capacity. And uh, I know in our country today, the Army continues to raise the, the sign-up bonus. And, and you might think, well, Pastor Stephen, why, why do they keep raising it by tens, and th uh, tens of thousands of dollars? Be the reason why is because that uh, I've heard that over half of the young men that are endeavoring to enter into the army, they're not qualified. They are so physically out of shape. They can't even do a, they can't even do a pull up. 
Uh, they can hardly do any push-ups. They can't run. They've been sitting around at mama's house playing video games all day, eating hostess Twinkies, and they are completely out of shape. The, the, and so the army is basically saying, we, we, can't, we can't even work with guys like this. We need uh, young men that are coming in that are athletic, that are smart, and that we can take them and begin to develop them into high-level warriors. And so that's why the sign-up bonus right now is so large. That's across the board also. So uh, these guys, obviously, they're hiding in rocks and holes, and uh, they, they've been playing too much Nintendo and their PlayStation. They're like, I, we can't handle real life. <laughs> so they're going to run away and endeavor to let somebody else do the real work. Verse 7, and some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead, uh, you know, just trying to run away. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal. Okay, so we'll give that to him. He's, he's hanging in there. And all the people following, uh, excuse me, followed him trembling. So, um, I mean, they're all on edge. Saul is trying to be a good leader. Saul, as the leader of the nation, uh, is trying to express composure. I'm not, I'm not sure how much dignity he's trying to express because in moments like this, uh, we don't need to be acting dignified. This is not a time for pomp and splendor. This is a time for real strong leadership. So the people are very, very unstable. Verse eight, then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. Oh, this is going to be good. Woo. This, this is make it or break it moments. Now I want to talk with you today because we can read through first Samuel chapter 13 and sit back in the comfort of our homes. You can watch me on YouTube or listen on a podcast and maybe watch this on a high tech, uh, uh, you know, iPad, or maybe you're watching me on your smart TV or whatever the case might be. And we, we don't sense this at the moment. And you might think, oh, Saul, how, look at him. He gave in. But when you're actually in this pressure cooker of a situation and people are deserting you and the ones that are there are like butter that's melting real quick. Wow. I tell you what, this, this is destiny making or destiny breaking moments. And so you, you're going to have to connect today with the reality of moments like this, because, because of this, if you truly desire to be led by the spirit and put your faith and confidence in God, I stand behind this pulpit today with a solemn word to you. You will have a moment like this in your life. You, you may not have more than three, but you will have at least one, maybe two. Mm -mm. And what you do, everything that you have learned, everything that you have been taught, very similar to Psalm 66, which we saw earlier, brings you up to an epic testing moment in your life. And what you do is going to influence decades of your life and potentially generations that would even come down the line. Some guys and some gals get it right. Some don't, some melt down, back out, give up, throw in the towel and quit. But others, but others get it right, which is why today 
in this year that we're in. Some of us that love reading uh, about the giants of the faith, still reading books that were written 100 years ago, written 300 years ago. I've got books in my library that were written by great men of God 400, 500, 800 years ago, and I'm not the only one still reading them. There's people all over the world by the millions, actually, that still read this, uh, this literature of those that when they faced these great challenges, they got it right. And something, something was released. Boom. Something was released in the spirit realm of a blessing. And that's why we're still reading their books. Praise God. Woo. They, they encountered something. So we need to understand this moment of tremendous duress that came into Saul's life. Guess what? Not by his leading, but by God's leading. Now, let's be honest just for a moment. It is possible to get yourself in a situation where you're in a real mess and you need God to come through. But some situations can be based on, if we examine it, it maybe the person got themselves into that boat because of foolishness. There's faith, there's foolishness, and there's presumption. Presumption is just presuming that God's going to come through just because you're a child of his and uh, he owes it to you and stuff like that. Uh, no, it doesn't work like that. Foolishness is going out doing crazy things, saying that God told you to do it and God never said anything, but you go do it anyhow. And then you're out in a mess and suddenly now you really need help from God and God can help. But um, that's not what we're talking about today. So we're not talking about foolishness. We're not talking about presumption, but we are talking about you're doing the best you can to serve the Lord. And suddenly you find yourself here. I need to tell you something about the Holy Spirit that perhaps you've never known before. Are you ready for this? Sometimes, not always, because it's not fun. Sometimes he will lead you where you don't want to go. I think I need to say it again, because some of you, you love the Holy Spirit, but you think he's some kind of a giant cosmic butterfly that's just out there to make you happy. No, he is the second, excuse me, the third person of the, of the Godhead Trinity. He is the third person of the deity of God, and he's a person. But you know what? He will absolutely on rare occasions, lead you where you don't want to go. And you find yourself pulled into this because you know it's God. And then you get back into a corner by the Holy Spirit where the next thing you know, uh, Holy Spirit, all I was trying to do was follow you. Now, now the Philistines are going to kill us and everybody's abandoning me. You're like, what in the world happened? How did I get here? Did we ever want to be in a place like that? No. Did Saul want to be in a place like this? Well, no, of course not. He's just a young man. He didn't even want to be king. He was thrust into it. He was God's choice. But yet here he is, and he's up the bat, just like you are. So we can't argue with God. We can't argue with destiny. You're here. This is your moment. And you have to, you have to step up and be the man, be the woman. Be the person that God wants you to be. Because sometimes the calling 
not only for ministry, but sometimes the calling even for business can come early. It can come at the age of 13. God can make you a multimillionaire at the age of 13. God can call you into full-time ministry at the age of eight while you're still going to junior high or elementary school. Yes, that's rare, but it's, it's not that rare, actually. Mm -mm. So you can't say, God, I, this is not what I, it is what it is. And you're here. What are you now going to do? Mm -mm. Well, let's dig into it just a little bit more. Let's back up to chapter 10. First Samuel chapter 10. Let me get a drink of hot tea and I'll meet you over in verse eight. Mm -mm. Verse eight, you shall go down before me to Gilgal and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. Okay. So you have received the instruction. It's not complicated. You just go to this certain place and Saul, just wait. I'm going to come and uh, I'm going to take care of the offerings and stuff like that. Now we know technically that Saul is not from the tribe of Levi. So therefore he's not really allowed to do any type of offerings because he's not a priest and he's not a Levite. Now we know that David did give an offering at one time and he's from the tribe of Judah. So he's not a priest or a Levite either, but God accepted his. But if we look at the context, the prophet Gad came to him and told him that God said that you're supposed to give an offering. Okay. So we can understand some shades of grace that are baked into that. And we can go with that. But rule of thumb, if you're not a priest uh, and you're not a Levite, you're not supposed to be doing these types of things. And Samuel is the preeminent prophet in the land. He's known very, very well. All of the Israelites know who he is. So for him to tell Saul these instructions, then this is coming from a heavyweight. This is coming from a man of God. You better follow him to a T, no exceptions. Verse nine. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart and all those signs came to pass that day. While wow, he in, even ends up prophesying among the prophets, uh, even to the point the uh, people were saying, oh, what in the world does Saul, does he belong with the prophets? We know he uh, looks like he's going to be a king, but what in the world is this? Well, my friends, it's the touch of God it's the anointing. So Saul's got enough to do the right thing. We can't say, well, he didn't know any better. Well, he was too wet behind the ears. He was too young, too immature. No, God has sowed enough into him at this point that although the kingdom is still young, uh, Hey, you, you're up and running. Okay. You've already got some guys with you. Uh, you, you know what to do. You've got the greatest prophet on the planet, the greatest prophet in the nation at your back, supporting you, praying for you. Uh, you need to get this right. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now look, look very carefully at verse eight. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. Okay, good. Thus far. So good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. Samuel did not come to Gilgal. What do you do when God's late? <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, God's never late. Um, well, it, it would seem that at times God doesn't uh, keep like certain types of appointments. Now, if God gives a word like, I'm going to do this at 12 o'clock noon, and God says that, God, God will do it. But in these areas where we have uh, some, I would call it like a gray area, a variable of, well, he's, he's not here yet, but he, I guess he's not really late, uh, uh, then you're going to have to learn some of the ethics of the Spirit today. We're going to talk about that. He waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. This is the make it or break it moment. And he's sweating, sweat running down in the back of his neck because everybody is abandoning him. Maybe his lieutenant left. Maybe one of his generals walked off. And of course, uh, you have some of your military leaders walking off, and others see that who are already unstable and full of fear. They just run. They just run. And it's not like they dropped their swords and ran. They didn't even have any swords. I don't know how they're going to fight. So Saul is just like barely, barely hanging on. And Saul pulls out his, his, his iPhone or his Samsung Galaxy, and he goes over to his Instagram, and he's noticing that there is a nosedive in all of his social media statistics. He's not getting thumbs up anymore. He's getting thumbs down. And Saul's like, oh, no, they don't like me anymore on Instagram. Oh, no, I'm getting negative comments on YouTube. Oh, no, what am I going to do? People don't like me. People are leaving. Mm. And God's, God's stepping back, and he's allowing it. And God is the one that, for whatever reason, is holding up Samuel. I don't know. Maybe Samuel uh, got on the bus to... Uh, be taken to his destination, and maybe the bus had a flat tire, and the driver had to get out and change the tire and said, I'm sorry, Mr. Prophet, I know you have a meeting, and you run a tight schedule, but here we had a flat. I've got to change the tire. But Samuel's probably thinking, well, yeah, we're running a little late, but God's never late. He's on time, even though we may think he's late, and it may appear in the eyes of others that he's late. Or Pastor Stephen, they're, 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 they're leaving. They're leaving. Yes, let them go. It's okay. Let them go. There were, there were people that abandoned Elon Musk in the early stages of the launch of Tesla. There were people that abandoned Steve Jobs in the early launch of Apple. There were people that got off the ship just before corporations uh, did their IPO, their initial public offering. And the little shares they had been given that were worth, um, uh, yeah, I had a friend one time that, uh, that started with uh, U.S. Airways, uh, and he was one of the early uh, workers, and uh, they couldn't, they could hardly even make payroll sometimes, and so they'd give you a few extra shares, but the shares weren't worth anything. They're just giving you a few of this and a few of that, but he said the, he said the night they did their IPO, he said, here I was, just a young guy out of college, and I wake up the next morning, I've got $250,000, you know, like liquid cash that I could take now. Now, if you leave it, it's going to just grow, and it did. 
But um, some people, they're, they're ready to wait. Oh, oh no, oh, oh, they didn't meet payroll. Well, th that's never ideal. It's certainly um, not something that you would want to have ongoing. But um, even uh, Mr. Turneau, who started the giant earth-moving company, there were times he couldn't meet payroll. And he got to go out and talk to his men, say, men, I'm sorry, uh, we're running a little bit behind. And, uh, yeah, we've signed this contract to get this road built. And, uh, uh, and I know you've worked two weeks, uh, but I'm waiting on a vendor to pay me. And uh, uh, I'm sorry if you can wait just a few more days. Uh, he had situations like that for a while until he finally had a breakthrough point, and that he was long gone after that. Then it's just like everybody's getting bonuses and stuff like that, and then people are, you know, wanting to work for a very prestigious company like that. But if people start jumping off of a ship like they were here with Saul, you have to maintain your composure in the Lord. That means you've got to keep the faith because this is very very uh, difficult for Saul because he's a people man. He's a people pleaser. That was his Achilles heel. And when the people turned on him and began to abandon him, now you're dealing with spiritual dynamics. Now, this was the area that he compromised on and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering right there. It's over. It's already over. Well, Pastor Stephen, he's the king of Israel. He's been anointed with oil. Uh, it's all, it's over. It's over. What you're going to see is another example that God is so good. He's the God that's so good. He's the only God who will fire somebody and still let the person keep on working for him. Now, at this point, Saul's fired. He's done. God, God's already got another replacement in his mind at that moment. Wow. There, there, are some, there, there are some dynamics and qualities of God that are rarely discussed in the church, but we need to understand this aspect of God. Yes, is he still going to be king? Saul's still going to hold on to his kingship for several years? Oh, Samuel's going to tell him, hey, it's over. And it's not like Saul's going to step back and say, oh, yeah, you're right. I tell you what, I really blew it back there, didn't I? Yeah, you're right. You need to get somebody in here better than me. I, I just don't have what it takes. Oh, no, he's not about to give up what he's now got his hands on. But the bottom line is he can hold on to it as long as he can. It's already over in the eyes of God. And him just being allowed to stick around is just a tool a developmental tool that God is going to allow for the development of his next king who's already in hiding, who will soon be coming on the scene. Uh, of course, his name was David. Praise the Lord. Verse 10, now it happened as soon as he had finished. Well, Pastor Stephen, isn't that a strange turn of events? Well, I guess, uh, I guess that uh, maybe he should have waited. Yep, the whole thing was a test. And that's what I need to tell some of you today. You're going through this. And back in the Old Testament, we can understand that they did not have a lot of insight into the realm of demons and satanic activity and what the enemy does to try to bluff you out, to rob you and steal you of your blessing. So the people leaving is what really shook Saul and the devil knew that. And so uh, he's going, the, the devil is going to try to put pressure 
to create a scenario that will get Saul to crack. But if Saul would have just held on, please listen to me today. If you will just hold on a little bit longer, you will see the almighty step in. You will see him step in. Woo. And I'm not saying like in Saul's scenario that if you make a mistake, God's going to say, you're fired. I'm done with you. No, you're washed with the blood of Jesus you belong to God. You're on your way to heaven. But as we all know, as believers, there is a place in your life you realize, hey, yes, I want to make heaven, but uh, I, I want to fulfill my calling. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I want to fulfill my calling. And he urged young ministers, fulfill your calling. You have an assignment from the Lord. You're not supposed to graduate from this planet and to go to be with the Lord until you've finished it. Mm, 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 mm. So for those of you that are serious about your destiny and getting it accomplished, those are the types of people that I'm preaching to praise the Lord. Mm, mm. Now what happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? My friends, you need those in your life that are sweet, that are gracious, that understand the love and the compassion of Jesus, but also bring a sense of accountability where we don't want to be just loose with, loose with morals, loose with the words that we use, loose the way we treat people. No. But very importantly, we endeavor to walk in the commandments of the Lord and please the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered for me, when I saw what I saw, look, it's a choice we all have to make. Are you going to walk by faith in God's word and what God said, or are you going to walk by what you see? And what you hear, and what and here's a big one, what you feel. I, I don't feel like they don't love me, Pastor Stephen. And they're leaving. And she wrote something bad about me on YouTube. I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. Mm -mm. You know what leadership is? Leadership is you exposing your back to others because you're out in front. That's what a leader is. You're out in front. So there is a certain exposure where you are now a great target for backbiters, for criticizers, for the armchair critics who all they can do is lift a can of beer and open a bag of potato chips and sit there from their lazy boy recliner and speak and criticize those that are on the front. But my friends, it comes with being a front runner. It, Pastor Stephen, I want the John the Baptist forerunner anointing. Well, that means you're up front. They're going to, they're going to really shoot at you mm -mm. verbally, maybe in the things they write, not just in ministry, in any career field where there is jealousy and envy and things along this line. I'm telling you, you can have the 100 fold blessing, but you must be willing to embrace the 100 fold persecution. Let them do what the devil wants them to do. That's their job is to criticize. If they did it to Jesus, you know, they're going to do it to you and I 
Pastor Stephen, we need to try to please all. Okay, so... So you tried to please them by not having a nice vehicle. So you ride a bicycle and then they say, well, he must, well, he must really have some issues. If that's all that he's just riding a bike, who wants to follow a person like that? So you get a car, then they criticize your car. Oh, he's got a vehicle. Oh, he could have used that money to fed people in an orphanage. He could have given that money to the poor. How can you ever give anything to anybody if you don't have anything? So you need to be blessed. And so since they're going to criticize anyhow, you might as well just go ahead and walk in the blessing. Drive a, drive a nice vehicle that glorifies the Lord. Woo! There is no way you can be in leadership and not be criticized. You have to understand that. Uh, and that's something that uh, Saul had a real problem with. And he begins to make excuses. When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. By the way, um, it's not really mentioned in this chapter, it gets into it in the next chapter, but this this imminent attack of the Philistine just grouping together, ready to wipe them all out. You read the whole chapter, and the Philistines were just kind of didn't do anything. <laughs> they didn't, it didn't happen. They actually uh, decide for whatever reason to go off and do some raids. So they start, uh, you know, raiding in different areas, plundering and pillaging in different areas. And the, the whole meltdown, there was no need for it. Uh, we're going to die. Uh, it's over. Look at them. They're pulling. Uh, they didn't even, it, they didn't even launch an attack. Mm, I'm telling you the whole thing was a major exam. It was a crisis moment, but a key moment in the life of Saul that could have moved him forward and secured something. Now watch this. Then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal. By the way, one of the greatest things to do in the midst of a great severe trial is don't confess your defeat if you can't have faith to speak the strong word, then go silent. In test, in the classroom, have you ever noticed one of the rules, no talking is allowed. By the way, if you haven't learned it by now, it's not like you can cram it all in three minutes before you take the exam. Just go quiet. Mm. Silence sometimes is the language of faith. Praise the Lord. Instead of confessing something silly like Saul did. Then he says, therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you've done foolishly. You've done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, your God, which commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. What is that? That is a forever blessing pertaining to the throne of destiny that God has called you to sit on. Pastor Stephen, am I going to get a real throne? I'm talking about God taking you to the top where you are a person of influence righteously. Mm -mm. I'm talking about God taking you to the highest echelons where you, in a sense, sit on a throne of, a of great accomplishment. Of great breakthrough. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What, what does it take to get there? A forever blessing. A forever blessing. And it's based on what you do 
in defining moments of your life. So often, so often when it looks like it's going backwards, Pastor Stephen, this doesn't make any sense. I know I've been there before. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense, but yet God's in it and the Holy Spirit is doing what he's leading, He's actually leading you in a direction that you don't want to go, but because you love God and you serve the Lord, you're going along with this and you're going to be led into a place where you are sat to take the greatest exam of your life thus far. Usually this only happens once, twice at the most, maybe three times in your entire life. So you must Get it right. By the way, if you get it right, what happens? It is released to you a forever blessing. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. So it, it didn't happen. So David, though, did get it right. And he received that forever blessing over his life and over the Davidic kingdom. And sure enough, Jesus, the great King of Kings came down literally through that same bloodline of David through the tribe of Judah, but it could have all gone through Saul. My friends, your life is not just your own. Your life can have a ripple effect for the next, who knows how long until Jesus comes back. I don't think we have that long. What maybe Maybe 20 years, 30 years, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe five. Who knows? But whatever it is, you don't live for yourself. Your life, you can do something with your life where you secure a forever blessing that touches you and something is now released in the spirit realm. That anointing comes on you, that empowerment, that blessing comes on you. And I tell you, when you've got it, you've got it. When it came on David, it came on David. And God told David, as long as you obey me now, it's yours. It'll be yours forever. You know, and your, your kids walk in it. Yes, yeah, there's two. Just keep, keep it going. Keep it going. Mm -mm. I'm preaching this today because I believe that this blessing is going to hover over you. And you're going to have the opportunity to either receive it or be tricked by the enemy and you would pull back and God does not want you to pull back right when he is about to promote you. And I, the, I use the word promote. That's actually very, very light compared to what we see here as a forever blessing. Verse 14, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. I mean, boom, just that quick. God's already on to the next person. Praise the Lord. I believe, I believe that you're going to have a defining moment in your life and you're going to go all the way through. Woo. Praise the Lord and see the blessing of the Lord upon you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Then Samuel arose in verse 15 and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. Well, Saul does stay around for a while longer, of course, but it's already over for him as king. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to the Lord. Now the Lord allows him to remain there, but in the sense that destiny of the forever blessing 
He'll never have another chance to get back into it. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe the Lord is working in the lives of some of you right now where you find yourself in a strange position. But you do know the Lord, and you do walk with the Lord. The Lord has allowed this unusual thing in your life to bring you to a place where you don't rely upon yourself, but you rely upon the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And it could be what we would call the season of the test. But I believe you're going to pass the test and secure what is actually a very rare blessing. It's the forever blessing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. And of course, you are now empowered to walk in this. And you will be empowered and able to transfer it later on, should the need arise. Or if we are alive until the Lord comes back, you'll still be walking in it. But I believe that God is going to do this for you. Praise God. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. I've endeavored to explain to them a spiritual truth through this experience of Saul's life. Father, we know that Saul compromised and he lost, he lost the forever blessing. But Father David got it right. And he certainly wasn't a perfect man, but he got it right in the areas that matter most. Father, I thank you that all that you've put into your people over the years, over the months, their pursuit of you is going to culminate in a test. And the outcome of it determines their stepping into what some would call a dream life. And others would look back with puzzlement, saying, how do they do that? But Father, it's because your spirit would be upon them in a special, special way. Now, Father, we give you praise that your spirit is moving. I thank you that you're going to be visiting some of your people in dreams. Some of you will take the test in a dream. You will have an encounter. You will have a presentation made to you. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, help your people. Thank you. Thank you. Let your Holy Spirit stand on their right side in that moment so that they embrace what you have for them in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I know a man, he passed away not too long ago, a good man, actually a very good man. And just as called as anybody could ever be called into the ministry called as a prophet. And he told me this when he was an old man, he lived well into his nineties. But some years back, he told me that, that Jesus came to him in a vision and offered him the ministry office of the prophet. And he had already been around some of the greatest prophets of the world. And even, even the man that was considered that at that time on the earth, the world's leading prophet, even turned to him and said, hey, you're supposed to be doing exactly what I'm doing. And he was like, oh, uh, I don't know, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he, he was very hesitant uh, about going into it. 
But one day the Lord brought it to a um, decision point. And Jesus appeared to him into a, in a vision and said, I'm offering you the ministry office of the prophet, and I want you to step into it. Will you accept this gift? And I, I, asked, I asked this old man, I said, well, what did you tell the Lord? He said, I told the Lord, um, Lord, I'd rather not. And I, well, I, and I was curious, like, what, well, what did the Lord say? He said, the Lord looked at me and said, so you're telling me you don't want my gift. And he said, Lord, I don't. Now, you might think, Pastor Stephen, why in the world would a person do that? This man was more, more concerned about what his natural father thought than about what Jesus and the Heavenly Father thought. This man told me that there was a point in his life where he really wanted to go in the ministry. And his father, who was a very wealthy man, said, now why would you want to do something as silly as that when I've got the whole business lined up for you and it's ready for you to step in and take over? And he, he eventually did step in and he took over and got a whole bunch of money, probably, probably millions of dollars. But you know what? For those that said no to Jesus, there were those that said yes. St. Francis of Assisi, who, when he decided to serve Jesus, his father came to him and said, no, you can't do that. He said, you're supposed to take over my business. And he was, his father was a very, very wealthy uh, uh, textile merchant. And Francis up to that time had been like a, a real sinner. Uh, really, you know, he was, he was a young man. He was really immoral and stuff like that, but he got saved. And now he all he wants to do is serve God. And his father said, Oh no, no, we're not having any of that. You're going to, you're going to come after me and you're going to make all this money and you're going to be rich and successful. And, um, so the Lord's like, well, who are you going to serve? And so he went with the Lord. He went with the Lord, which is why 800 years later, we're still reading his quotes still reading about his life. Why? He secured an eternal blessing. He secured a forever blessing on his life and ministry. And more people today know who St. Francis is than some of the names of the other 12 apostles besides Peter, James, Andrew, and John. <laughs> and of course, most know Thomas as they call him the doubting apostle. But after that, most can't name the others, but they can sure name St. Francis of Assisi. Mm -mm. I'm telling you. There are destiny moments just swooping down and you can't, you can't make them just like come down whenever you want them. They come down by divine decision. Pastor Stephen, God's late. Uh, he's running on a different time clock, but I would say he's right on time. You better hang in there with him. You better not bail out on Jesus. You better not backstab him, throw him out and get mad at him. Throw your Bible away. Say, I'm done. I'm telling you, you don't know what's going on in the spirit realm. This is make it or break it moment. Mm -mm. Now, those that are Looney Tune going out doing crazy things and asking God to bail them out, that's not the kind of people I'm talking about. Not that any of us are perfect, but I'm talking to those believers. You're trying to serve God at the best of your ability, walk the narrow path, and yet here you are. Watch what God's going to do. Praise God. One more, one more time, please lift your hands. Father, I bless your people. Let them 
know that divine moment. It'll be a watershed moment. It'll be a crossing the Jordan River moment. Now we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo! And amen. God is releasing very rare mantles in this moment. He is releasing things that have not been seen on the earth for 200 or 300 years. He is releasing some very rare things right now. Mm. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Woo! God is about to step into your life. Amen. But here's the thing. It's like Samuel stepping in. You want him to step in to release that forever blessing, not step in and say, well, I really love you. And you're going to go to heaven, of course, because you, your trust is in me. But this thing I want to get you into, um, no, you, you gave in praise God, praise God. Amen. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Woo. I had a situation years back where I went through a tremendous like exam type thing with the Lord, uh, circumstances like really going negative. And this was like over, over 10 years ago. And I've, I've showed, I've shared the testimony testimony before, but I had a vision and Jesus came to me and took me on a little journey. And, uh, when he brought me to a certain place, he showed me a sign and he pointed to it and he, and he said to me, what are you going to do about that? And the sign said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It looked like a big billboard. It said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And, um, of course, that's Job chapter 13, verse 15. But what the Lord was trying to get across to me is that through that experience, he was trying to slay self-reliance. He was trying to slay the, uh, the need for the approval of carnal man, the, the need for, uh, to be understood by those who are not even spiritual. And he was trying to let all of that just be incinerated through the experiences that he was taking me through. Praise the Lord. And he got me through, he got me through. Um, but he was, he was teaching me because I didn't know what in the world was going on because none of the stuff made any sense. But I tell you, he got me through and then whoom, just blessed me. Just blessing just began to come in in the most supernatural way. More supernatural than the supernatural strange way of why stuff wasn't working previously. Mm -mm. My friends, this is a walk of the spirit. Um, I can't expect everybody to understand this in the body of Christ because there are some in better Christians, they love the Lord, but the moment they come up against something like this, it terrifies them because all they are is natural and intellectual. And they don't want anything to do with any type of uh, rocking their stable boat. They want ultra stability. They want ultra security. And the real walk of faith, they, uh, they don't want to engage that at all. <laughs> at all. And so... Uh, th that's okay. Praise the Lord. But when you're really walking with the Lord, yeah, the Holy Spirit will actually lead you on purpose into it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Seal it by your spirit. We thank you that the exams are about to be returned graded. And we thank you 
We thank you. We're believing for a passing mark, preferably flying colors, but, but overall passing. Now we thank you in Jesus name. We thank you for the release of the, the forever blessing. Thank you. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mm, mm, mm. Some of you don't really know how much is writing on this. Some of you do. You can sense it. Praise God, which is why you're fighting so strongly. Amen. All right, if you're watching today, but you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to give your heart completely to Him today so that He can save you from your sins and make you ready for heaven. Okay, if you were formerly a Christian, but you got off in the sin, you got away from God, come back right now. I want to pray for you also, and Jesus will restore you. Okay, all right, let's pray. Just pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I turn from all sin. I surrender my life to you completely. I give my life 100% to you. Jesus, save me now. Wash me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life today and lead me and guide me from this day forward. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I choose you. In your name I pray. Amen. Rejoice. Your sins are gone. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, church family, let's take Holy Communion. And... As long as you are a Christian, you can receive Holy Communion. I mean, you could take it as an unbeliever, but all you're doing is eating a cracker and drinking some grape juice. But for the believer in Christ, this is real food, and this is real drink. This is His flesh and blood. Let's pray over it. Father, we bless the bread and the drink. We set this apart as holy. And we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we receive strength to walk by faith and not by sight. Father, we understand that Saul saw all of the people running away, and he was governed by his physical senses, what he saw, what he felt, what he heard. But, Father, we choose to lock in fully and receive the Lord's flesh and to be led by your word and your spirit. And we thank you that the end result is always peace, blessing, victory, and in special occasions, even the release of a forever blessing. Father, we thank you we receive the Lord's body with great thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. I prophesied to, there's a few, that you, you've seen somebody, someone from afar, that you would love to meet, but you think there's no way it's going to happen. The Lord says it's going to happen. When you walk with Him, He will supernaturally orchestrate things where the person that you esteemed and loved and so greatly admired, you will actually, God's going to cause it, you actually end up meeting that person. 
and not just getting to know them as an acquaintance, the Lord will probably cause a friendship to be established there. Amen. That's for at least three people. At least. At least. And I believe even more. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, thank you for the cleansing blood of Jesus that washes away all of our sins. Father, we forgive and bless anybody that would persecute us. And we know that that would take place because we are walking in the blessing and people persecute. But Father, we thank you that we forgive those who sin against us. And we bless them, we pray for them, and we move on in you. And we want to please and honor and bless you. So Father, we receive the blood of Jesus, his cleansing power, the antibody, the antidote for any bite of sin or any bite of uh, any type of venomous insult, false accusation, or lie. We thank you for the blood of Jesus washing it all away and that we are protected and blessed. We thank you, Father, for helping us to fulfill our callings, our assignments. And we give you all of the praise in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive together, hallelujah, the blood of Jesus. I see the Lord Jesus on the cross right now. Arms extended, hands nailed to the rugged cross of Calvary. Blood flowing from the major wounds on his body. Blood flowing everywhere. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. He gave his all for you. And he asked in return that you would give your all for him. And the Lord says that the time is short. So take up your cross and follow him. Oh, the Lord would say it may look like you're going into a place of death. It, it may look like you're dying. And the Lord would say in some ways you are. You are dying to your self-life. You're dying to the stubborn old man and his desire to want to do it his way. But the Lord says the more that you come with me, the more that my life and my plan and my goodness will break forth in your life. And then your understanding will be so joyful, says the Lord, because you know that you have entered into everlasting life. You'll know it on this side of glory before you ever reach heaven. And the Lord says, I bless you today. I shed my blood for you and took your sins away that you could have the best life, the best life. And the Lord says, you will, re you will, you will see my glory and you will taste and know my goodness and your life will be a testimony to many. I set you as a shining star before your family, before friends, before fellow workers. And they will see my glory upon your life. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, we give you praise. The Lord would say unto many today, he says unto you, that some of you have desired to travel to certain places. Some of you, for instance, you want to go to Rome, Italy. The Lord says, I'll take you there. Uh, the Lord says, I'll even meet you there. And he says, I'll bless you there. 
the place that I'm putting on your heart right now, the Lord says, I'll take you there and I'll meet you there and I'll bless you there. I'll talk to you there. Hallelujah. The Lord says for some, I'll meet you by the sea of Galilee and I'll talk to you there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you are struggling in your natural mind because you're thinking, how come Jesus can't talk to me right where I'm at? Because for whatever reason, he wants to talk to you there. Hallelujah. Glory. 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 Yes. There's somebody watching me. The Lord says that, that he'll talk to you when you, when you're in Lagos, Nigeria. Well, it's a big planet. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Hallelujah. Glory. Now, when I'm saying that the Lord will speak to you, those are special getaway moments. Praise God. Where the Lord aligns things also in, in harmony with your desire to be in a certain place where you encounter the Lord. God, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Jesus, we acknowledge you as the head of the church. We acknowledge you as our king. We bless you. <laughs> we praise you. We are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. And we thank you that you are so good to us. The Lord says, I will do mighty miracles in your life. Just watch and see. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we thank you. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' great name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Well, hallelujah. My friends, thank you for joining me today. I believe that many of you are going to connect with this forever blessing. And when it comes on you and when it is, when it is done, when it's joined, you'll know it. You'll know it. Praise the Lord. Get ready. The Lord's about to step in into your life in a major way. Thank you for watching. And I look forward to seeing you back next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.